welcome to the Next Generation Saint. I'm your host, Nick Coons. So today I'm going to be doing another episode with Give Me an Answer with Pastor Cliff Connectly. He's actually going to be over at Arizona State University talking with students. If you like these podcasts or other things that I do on my channel, go ahead and like and subscribe wherever you may be watching or listening to this. So I hope you enjoy this episode of Next Generation Saints. I feature Give Me an Answer. Why on earth would I, as a thinking human being, believe there's a heaven? For one reason, because Jesus Christ promised heaven to all who trusted in him, and the evidence is that you can trust Jesus Christ. Now, it so happens that Jesus also said, this is the way to heaven, through me, through Christ. And he claimed that he bled and died on a cross to pay the hell that I deserve for my cosmic treason, for flipping God off the way I have. So Christ calls me to put my faith in him, to ask him for forgiveness for my sins, and he promises to give me a gift, something I don't earn, I don't deserve. It's the gift of forgiveness and life eternal. Where is justice? What is mercy? Where is the sacred and the holy? Choices. Where's the truth in all the voices? Give me an answer. Don't waste my time. Tell it to me straight. The truth is getting hard to find. I have objections to what I've learned. I have questions and concerns. Give me an answer. I have the question of why why has the church been such a political force in history, such as like crusades and stuff, and why why are we still doing doing some of the why are we still doing some of the same things that we are we don't want people to do? You know what I mean? Like we still like discriminate a lot of times and still do yep. the same things. Why did I become a Christian? I became a Christian for a lot of different reasons, one of which was I realized I have a problem with evil. I'm a sinner. I need God's forgiveness, and I need more than his forgiveness. I need his help to change and become a better person. So I put my faith in Christ, and he's changing me. Some of the changes have been radical. Most of the changes are embarrassingly slow. I have bad habits that are incredibly difficult for me to break. I'm just like Bono, the lead singer of U2. Bono said, I don't think I was lost and now I'm found. I, was, I think I was really, really lost and now I'm not quite as lost. He said, I hear about people who pray for deliverance and they experience a radical change. It's not been like that for me, Bono said. Rather, it's been a question of rebooting the computer, changing some deeply ingrained habits. I am becoming a better person, but it's a slow process. And so a genuine follower of Christ has bad habits, sinful habits that are destructive and wrong. And history records them. 
that says nothing about Christ, it tells you a lot about those sinful Christians. Not only that, not only are there genuine Christians who are sinners, like me, but there are also hypocritical Christians who have never genuinely put their faith in Christ, but they love to attach the tag Christian when they fill out what's my religious affiliation. But they've never genuinely trusted in Christ. They're simply into a religious ritual called Christianity. And of course those people are going to disobey Christ. They don't take Christ seriously. Now, to reject Christ because of those Christian hypocrites is narrow-minded bigotry. The question is, was Jesus a hypocrite? Was Jesus evil? And when you read the Gospels, the overwhelming evidence is Christ lived an incredible life of integrity, honesty, compassion, love, forgiveness. That is why putting your faith in Christ as opposed to putting your faith in Christianity is a very wise decision. Occasionally, white students step out of the crowd and say, the reason, Cliff, that I cannot believe in Jesus is because of Christian hypocrisy. I am totally unimpressed. I have African-American brothers and sisters in Christ who, in spite of the fact that white Christian slaveholders enslaved their grandparents and then, of course, brought them to church on Sunday, in spite of that blatant Christian hypocrisy, my African-American brothers and sisters in Christ have had the open-mindedness to realize Jesus never called for that type of racism and slavery. Jesus didn't have a racist bone in his body. That's fantastic. I am totally unimpressed by a white University of Arizona student who says, oh well, the reason I can't believe in Jesus is, you got to understand, Cliff, I got burned by some Christian hypocrites. Give me a break. Why don't you go to a good African-American church and watch people whose grandparents and great-grandparents were enslaved by Christians have the intellectual honesty to separate that hypocrisy from what Jesus Christ taught and lived. And they're far more followers of Jesus Christ who do not have my color skin than there are followers of Christ who do have my color skin. So faith in Christ is not the great Western way. It's not the great white way. There are far more followers of Christ outside the West than there are inside the West. Thank you, sir, for raising that issue. It's easy when you're younger to just follow the beliefs of your parents and blindly follow because you're young and you don't need the explanation. But you know that comes that time in your life where you have to explain your beliefs to people. And I guess my, what I would like if you could explain is just the, the logical, how it came about, how it, you know, um, how it works into Christianity, being homosexual, and that kind of lifestyle. Because I, I mean, I have a really good friend who, who he was raised Christian as well. When he told his parents, they told him that they wished that he to have heard that he had murdered someone. I mean, there's no questioning that's not, I don't think anyone can agree that that's, you know, or disagree that that's a, a wrong statement that's not morally, you know, apt. But he claims that he said, I would not have chosen this for myself, but it is how I am. 
Right. And I would just, I just want your justification or logic behind that. I'm very curious to hear. You bet. First point. I have to apologize to homosexuals for the way they have been viewed as some Christians, as inferior dirt. That is wrong. The value of a human being has nothing to do with their sexual practice. The value of a human being is based on the fact that we all are created in the image of God. Second point. In the same way that our lives were created for a purpose, to love and worship God and to love and serve each other, so our sexuality was created for a purpose. And we read about that purpose in Genesis 2.24. We read, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Which means, I, through my heterosexual lust, and my homosexual friend, lesbian friend, through their practice of homosexual sex, we both have twisted and perverted the gift of human sexuality that God has given us. Third point, Jesus Christ bled and died on a cross to pay the penalty for my sexual sins, for the sexual sins of my homosexual and lesbian friends. Now the question is, am I going to rationalize my sinful behavior, or am I going to repent and ask Christ to forgive me? and to give me the power to change. And the same question is alive and well for my homosexual lesbian friends. Fourth point. Ten years ago, I was speaking right here, and two lesbians were sitting right there. And they raised their hand and they said, Cliff, you don't understand. When you say that homosexuality and lesbian is sinful, you're attacking our identity, who we are. And I said, I understand. Let me ask you, ladies. I am a heterosexual male. Do you think, as a heterosexual male, that I have a sex drive to have sex with just one woman? I was born this way. You were born the way you were. Just because we're born a certain way does not make it right. I'm born with a sex drive to have sex with many, as many good-looking women as I can. You're born with a sex drive to have sex with someone of the same sex. We both are broken. Jesus Christ offers to heal us by his grace. So now the simple question is, am I open to allowing Christ to change me? Or will I be God? Will I be in control? <coughs> now what is hell? Hell is simply God looking people in the face and saying, you lived to do your will? Your will be done for eternity. What is heaven? Heaven will be filled with people who say, God, your will be done. I've blown it. Forgive me. Have mercy on me, a sinner. Because Christ bled and died on a cross, God is more than willing to forgive and to give us life eternal. But if I stubbornly resist and justify my own immorality, God will judge me for that. That's how I think through that issue. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Ray. Why are you at a higher level than me to be standing and telling me that your way is the right way? I am on no higher level than you. I'm a beggar who has found where living bread is in a personal relationship with a Jewish man who was more than a Jewish man. He was God in human form. So I worship a Jew. And I can promise you, ma'am, I am on no higher level than you or anybody else. I'm a sinner who deserves the wrath of God for the evil that I have done. 
But God loves this sinner so much that he sent his only son Christ to bleed and die on a cross to forgive me. And does I've accepted that forgiveness. Does he not forgive me? Well, he only forgives you if you ask him for it. And if you ask him for it, he promises to forgive you. I've asked, I've asked God for forgiveness. I have not asked Christ for forgiveness. If I live a good life and I ask for forgiveness, what makes what I'm doing not as good as what you're doing? It all comes down to, was Jesus Christ speaking the truth or was he not? He claimed to be the Lamb of God, right out of the Torah. He claimed to be the Lamb of God, laying down his life to make atonement for sin. He was either blowing smoke, he's either a liar, which means you better reject him, no, no, no. or else he's speaking the truth. You said, you said he lived a wonderful life and he is forgiving, correct? Yes. Then why would he not forgive me when I have tried my hardest to live a good moral life? The only big mistake that you're saying I'm doing wrong is that I'm asking forgiveness at the wrong place. Okay. Why, why would I not be forgiven if I'm living a moral life, if I'm trying my hardest? Why would I be punished for that ultimately? What, Good. What? The first point is, I could never honestly look you in the face and say, I have lived the best life possible. Because I know from my guilt that I have not always lived the best life possible. I have made some boneheaded decisions. I have willfully chosen to do that which I knew was wrong. I experienced guilt. So I cannot stand here and say, I have always done the best I could have done. I've lived the best life possible. I don't think, honestly, to be honest with you, anybody can say that. Exactly. So why, why is it your place to be telling me that I'm going about something the wrong way? Okay. I am a mailman. I'm not making this stuff up. I'm simply delivering you Jesus' mail. And what Jesus says clearly in the Gospels is that God loves you so much that he sent his only son Christ to bleed and die on a cross for your sin, for my sin. And that is the vehicle through which God offers us forgiveness, which means if I reject Christ, what I am in essence for rejecting is God's offer of forgiveness. Don't do that. That's, that's not wise. What if I, but it doesn't make any sense to say that if I have lived a moral life and I have tried my hardest. Have you tried your hardest? Yes, I'm still trying my I hardest. I haven't. So why? You're going to honestly try and stand here and say that I in every ethical perfect. situation you have always tried your hardest to do that which was right? Throughout my life, I live my life trying to do what is right always. And then at the times that I do what is not right, I almost immediately go to the person I've done wrong to or go to God and repent. Good. It, be, just because you're calling yourself the mailman, you're putting yourself a notch above. No, I am not. So why is what you're saying, like the way you're living, you're saying is, is better than the way I'm living? No, I did not say that. I'm I said one thing. I said you and I are both sinners. We're equal. We have equal value but we also have blown it. We've gotten separated from God. God loves you and me in spite of our sins so much that he sent his son Christ to bleed and die on a cross to forgive us and to give us life eternal. Don't look a gift horse in the face and deny the gift. Why would you say that... I 
again, I'm I'm living a good life. It doesn't make any sense to say that I'm doing something morally wrong that you're doing right. Ma'am, I've said it how a few times. I am a sinner. I am no better than you. I might be worse than you ethically. Okay, have we clarified that one? Right. So I am no better than you. I'm a sinner. I might have blown it ethically worse than you have. So why would God forgive you over me? Only because I've asked him to forgive me for the wrong, and he's offered that forgiveness through the death of his son Christ on a cross. I haven't seen any uh, evidence of him. Have you seen Abraham Lincoln? No. Do you think he existed? Uh, I suppose so. He's in history. Good. Well, Christ is in history also. Is there actual documents? Yeah. You're referring to the Bible? Yeah, the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Actual documents of Christ. Okay, but is there any actual birth certificate or anything that can prove that he No, existed? they didn't give birth certificates in first century Palestine. Yeah, but you used Abraham Lincoln as an example. I'm sure he has a birth certificate somewhere. Yeah, that's because he lived in the United States. So because you haven't seen Christ, you don't believe in him? Because I haven't seen any evidence for or against him, I'm skeptical. Sir, what's the year that we live in? 2008. What on earth does that mean, 2008? If you're referring to day 2008 years later after Christ died, yeah. sure. But some people count to way before that. Well, if you live in the year 2008, and 2008 years after the birth of Christ, don't you think there might be a little evidence that he really did exist? Not really, because it's political. The church had power, so they decided, okay, from this day forward, we're going to count one, two, three, and we're in 2008 now. It doesn't mean that there was no 5,000 years before his Christ. So you think the church made up Christ? Absolutely. That's okay. a form of power. What's your evidence? What's your evidence that the church made up Christ? It's power. It's power? It's power. They control millions, billions of people. Sir, do you know what Nero and Diocletian did to the first century Christians? Yeah, they persecuted them and burned them on the cross. Yeah, they slaughtered them right and left. Uh -huh. Do you know that in the 20th century, more people have been martyred for their faith in Christ than in any other century? Okay, so come on. Think about it, sir. There's so much evidence that Jesus really lived, died, and rose from the dead, it's incredible. Has anyone ever done that? I know. So why why are you having this hard time believing that Jesus really lived? It's just more that concepts of Christianity are taken from other religions that are very similar. I'll give you one example. There are many gods in Egyptian history that died, were arisen, and then uh, went up to heaven. Uh, I'll give you a perfect example. Horus, god of sun. He died, he was resurrected, and then rose up to heaven. Oh, you and that happened 5,000 years before Christ. Study the Egyptian mythology, and you know very, very well that Horus was not an historical human being. Uh -huh. yeah. Study the Gospels, and you see that Jesus was an historical human being. Why? Because it's given from the Gospels and the Bible? No, because eyewitnesses saw Christ live in Bethlehem, Nazareth, float a boat on the Sea of Galilee, they saw him eat, sleep, they saw him die on a wooden crossbeam, and Thomas put his hands in the nail prints in Christ's hands, saw him risen from the dead, they wrote what they saw. The New Testament Gospels are not mythology, they're historical narrative.
man, he loves you. Now, why would you just sort of just blow him off? Because the whole concept of it's my way or death, where's the other option? My way or hell? Well, what way would you like? Well, how about a third way? Okay, what's the third way you want? Not hell. <laughs> well, I don't blame you. I think that sounds very reasonable. A student here at the University of Arizona says, you know something, University of Arizona? I don't like the idea. Either I make the grades and stay here, or if I flunk, 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 I get kicked out. I'd like a third way. Sir, part of growing up means you realize that although you're free to make decisions, there are consequences to your decisions. And if you want to have unprotected sex with a lot of people, don't be in shock if you come down with HIV positive. And you can say, you know, I don't like that. I wish there was another way. Yeah, I understand. But sir, reality smacks you up on the side of the head. If you make certain decisions, there will be consequences as part of the mantle of responsibility that's on your shoulders because you have free will. You got to make up your life. But let's be real honest. There are going to be consequences to your decisions. And if you choose to live your life separate from God, he's not going to force you into heaven against your will. You'll spend eternity separate from him. Why? Because you made that decision. So please decide wisely and carefully. See, people decide because they have evidence. Yeah. On prior knowledge. Right. So far, all we have is your word and the word of the Bible that Jesus existed. Sir, there is a ton of evidence outside of me and outside the Bible that Jesus really existed. The Roman historians, Tacitus, Suetonius, Pliny the Younger, wrote about Christ as an historical person. The Jewish historian, Josephus, wrote about Christ as an historical person. There are very hostile references to Jesus in the Mishnah the Hebrew commentary on the Torah, as a false prophet, a worker of magic. Sir, come on, there's a plethora of information about the historical Jesus. What about all the Gnostic Gospels? I haven't read those. Well, you've heard about them, haven't you? The Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Philip, Gospel of Mary. Come on, sir, you're, you're, the overwhelming evidence is Jesus really lived. And that's why you live in the year 2008. Not because of some church, because Jesus was born. Like you said, it's a freedom of choice. It sure is. Jesus Christ is not simply an idea. Jesus Christ is a personal being who calls you and me to follow him, to put our trust in him. That means we're going to have a religious experience of some type. I have experienced the trustworthiness of Christ in my life. But many people say to me, Cliff, people of different religions also have religious experiences. Why do you insist that people need to put their faith in Christ? There are many people from different cultures who due to their deep religious experience have done a lot of great things in life. Why is Jesus Christ so important? Yes, people around the world have obviously done great things and built tremendous civilizations, no question about it. But when you begin to study the different world religions, you begin to understand that an experience with Jesus Christ is qualitatively, fundamentally different from the different experiences that people have. Look at Buddhism. In Buddhism, there is not a personal relationship. There is no spiritual relationship with God. Siddhartha Gautama Buddha was agnostic when it came to the existence of God. Now, there's tremendous philosophy, very wise philosophy, found in Buddhism. But Buddhism is essentially about cutting off your desires so that you can be free from suffering and pain.
Jesus Christ does not call us to cut off our desires. He does cut out, call us to cut out our selfish desires. But Christ calls you and me to desire Him and to desire to love, to respect, to treat each other with integrity, with value and worth. Buddhism is a tremendous philosophical system, but it does not call us into an experience of God's love, of Christ's grace. Jesus Christ calls you and me not to a philosophical system, not to a religious institution. He calls us to himself. In John chapter 21, Jesus looked into Peter's face and asked him, Peter, do you love me? Not, Peter, do you want to be involved in the program? Not, Peter, do you want to be involved in the institution? No, Christ asked Peter a very personal question, do you love me? In Islam, you and I are not called to a personal relationship of love with God, hardly. Instead, the Quran clearly calls us to submit to God. And that's what Islam is, submission to God. Everything, according to the Quran, is the will of Allah, the will of God. There is no such thing as real free will. There is no such thing as really choosing to love God. No, everything is the will of Allah. And the whole point of Islam is, to submit, you submit, I am to submit to God. Is there some pointing to God's love in Islam? Yes, but it's very marginal at best. And when you begin to realize that Islam disagrees strongly with the Trinity, you begin to understand that the eternal Allah has not loved for all eternity, for he is a singular being. And my Muslim friends usually have such a difficult time with the Trinity. But the Trinity is a statement that within the Godhead, within God, there is love. Father loves Son. Son loves Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit loves the Father. Holy Spirit loves the Son. God is love, a being who throughout eternity has loved, according to Jesus Christ. And it is this God of love who calls you and me into a spiritual relationship, a spiritual friendship with himself. That is qualitatively different from Buddhism, which is a philosophical system, a system where we learn to cut off our desires in order to escape pain and suffering. That is also fundamentally different from Islam, which simply teaches submit to the will of Allah. Submit, submit, submit. Jesus Christ says, come to me, trust in me. Yes, there is submission in Christianity as I yield to Christ and make him Lord of my life. But what propels a relationship with Christ is exactly that, the delight of relating to a God of love who loves you and who calls you to love him with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Isn't it time for you to take a serious look at Jesus Christ? Not Christ the system, not Christ the institution, not Christ the religious phenomena. No, the real Lord Jesus Christ who lived a sinless life taught amazing ethical teachings, bled and died on a cross, praying, Father, forgive them. Forgive these people who have nailed me to this cross, for they know not what they do. Isn't it time for you to put your faith, not in the stained glass window of Christ, but in the risen Lord Jesus Christ, who three days after he died, rose from the dead. And over a period of 40 days, he appeared to over 500 people who grabbed him, felt his flesh and his bone, who ate meals with him, He's a personal God. He loves you, and he wants to have a personal encounter with you. That's why taking a step of faith and trusting in Jesus Christ is so important, so crucial, for he is the one true living God.
He's the God who created you. He's the God who loves you. He's the God who wants you to spend eternity with Him in heaven. I pray that God will give you the strength and that you will be decisive and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I am the pastor of Grace Community Church. We meet every Sunday morning, 9.30 at Saks Middle School in New Canaan, Connecticut. Simply take the Merritt Parkway to exit 37, go to the end of the ramp, take a left onto Route 124, go approximately one mile, and take a right into Saks Middle School. Won't you join us this Sunday for our 9.30 service? Thanks for sharing these few minutes with us. Have a great day. Don't waste my time Tell it to me straight The truth is getting hard to find I have objections to what I learned Turning in for another episode of Next Generation Saints where I feature Give Me an Answer with Pastor Cliff Connectly. If you, again, if you uh, like what you're listening to, please like and subscribe wherever you may be listening to these podcasts. And I hope to hear, see you guys again for the next episode. Until then, may God richly bless all y'all, my dearly beloved.